0: Program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views expressed are those of the panelists and not necessarily
1: those of Sengents, Glamour Connection, Van Garrett Media, their respective management, contractors, or employees. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. Welcome to the Share Your Hotness podcast.
0: Share Your Hotness.
1: Now, here's your host.
0: Lita Green. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest today, Jennifer Weaver. Now, Jennifer and I have had one conversation before because we met through a mutual friend, but we're connected through my niece, Sherea, She's amazing. And you worked in, um, I guess, in TV, where you work with her. What were you doing at the TV station? Yes. I worked at Fox 13 as the assignment manager. There you go. Look at that voice. It sounds like, it sounds like a TV voice, you know, and a radio voice. Like it's a good voice. So I'll have to make sure I have my most professional voice, um, going. So, um, you just, we wanted to get on because you have a book that came out. Tell us about your book and let's get into it. Let's get people wanting to buy this book at the end. Oh, that would be awesome.
1: Yeah. So I am an author on an anthology book through Kate Butler Publishing called Women Who Dream. And uh, my particular portion of the book talks about a dream that I'd had since I was a little girl and how it wasn't realized. And then I thought it was. And then it turned out that it was something completely different than I could have ever imagined in my entire life. And it changed the course of my life.
0: Oh. So that's
1: I don't want to give too much away, but I I can tell you that it stems from DNA results.
0: Uh, okay, so is it one of those have you heard of that podcast where oh, what's it called? Um, where basically they find out that they are not like their parent or something is not actually their parent? Yes. You know. Exactly. And, it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and It's fascinating. So you should definitely reach out to be on that podcast too, which I can't remember the name of at the moment, but it's fascinating because, you know, they find out that they're really black, you know, and their family never talked about it. And, you know, if you have never lived in an area where there's a lot of black people, you're going to be like, what? But this has actually happened to me where I knew this lady that she's from Idaho, which there's not a ton of people of color in Idaho. And she was dating this guy. He was, he was as dark as I am, which is kind of olivey, you know, mm-hmm. like sometimes people ask me where my people are from and I'm like, Hi. you know, so I joke, I'm afraid to take the test and find out that I'm just a white person. Cause I'd be really, <laughs> um, you know, the mystery is so much more exciting. So, you know, look kind of like me and she's like, well, my family doesn't really approve of, you know, and I was like, what? Cause he's, he's awesome. I'm like, what could they not approve of with this guy? He's great. Like, you dump him, I'm going to date him. You know, that's kind of like, I was like, what? I don't get it. And then when I was at the wedding, I figured out what it was. He's black and his whole entire family's black. He just came out white, but he had black features. I just mm-hmm. trained myself to like think about that because I don't care because to us, we're all humans. And, you know, because it all was kind of revealed, you know, her family was kind of apologizing at the wedding for being, you know, kind of poopy about that. And, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like, come out of the 1950s, come on, come join us here, you know? But right. uh, anyway, so that's just a, it's just a funny story to kind of go off of what you were just saying. So you found out you're black? Mm-hmm. No, I found out. <laughs> <laughs> no. But that wouldn't be a bad she, by thing the way, at all. She, I a, actually
1: okay. found out my father is from Madrid, so I'm Spanish. Okay. And See, I'm prominently Spanish.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that makes sense to me because people ask me that all the time, and we are very similar coloring. Yes, very olive-complected, so, yes. You know, so, I mean, people are like, where are you from? And, you know, they'll get mad at me that I don't speak Spanish. I'm working on it. I'm on street 218 of Duolingo
1: you know. Oh nice. I know. I need to start learning Castilian Spanish. It's a little bit
0: different, but that's where my father's from. We have the, theta. the my husband actually speaks with that in his Spanish. Oh, he <laughs> lived for 2 years. So, yeah, um I I I he can do both, but you know, when he really gets going in Spanish, the the theta comes out. You know where the theta comes from? No. Okay, you need to know this as a Spaniard. I, right? <laughs> so you've heard of the Habsburg lip, right? No, so much, I haven't so much of, okay. I love history, but so much of Europe was intermarried. Mm-hmm. And, um, because you know, the Royals keeping it all in the family. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the Habsburgs were a very, very powerful family. And I don't want to say what century, cause I don't want to be wrong, but I'm thinking like the 1600s. Okay. But just so y'all know, I, I know I may not be right. Okay. Anyway, they, um, one of the things because they were so intermarried that they had was a cleft palate, but they're the royals, so you can't make them feel uncomfortable about this. And so, one of the royals in Spain had a very predominant cleft palate, and of course, it's hard for them to get right. there, right? <laughs> so, everybody started speaking that way so that the royal would not feel out of place. Wow learn something new every day. Well, that's why I love history. If they were (laughs) really cool, I probably would do a history podcast, but then I'd have to like study a lot (laughs) to (laughs) do something that would be unique.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I just found out, um, right before I turned 50 years old. So we're talking relatively the last couple of years. So I did not know. I thought another man was my father. Uh, I didn't Uh. grow up with a father. Okay. And the man who is on my birth certificate is actually my brother's
0: father. What? Yeah. Okay. So he <laughs> adopted you old school where they just said, yeah, I'll raise him. Um, well,
1: so my mom um, was pregnant with me when she married my brother's dad. My brother was okay. born 14 months late where we're 14 months apart. So
0: Okay. my All brother
1: right. and I are really, really close, but we have different Fathers, and my mother um, didn't reveal to me who my biological father was until I was thirteen. And then I met his family when I was twenty-four. He had Uh been killed in Vietnam, and so that was was my family. You know, Vietnam
0: while they were dating.
1: No, before before he enlisted. He actually enlisted. His older brother was drafted, and so he enlisted. And they dated before he left. And then, okay. you know, he, he was killed.
0: Um, so, so is that but, why she dated your dad, she, or were they not far enough along in their relationship to be together? And if I'm asking too many personal questions, by all means say,
1: Oh no, it's okay. okay. I just might not have all the answers. That's the thing is uh-huh. my mom now is 73. So remembering more than 50 years ago, the guys that she dated, I mean, we're talking free love the sixties, right? Late right, 60s, right, right. You know, and so I can only go off of what she could remember. So is it accurate? I'm not sure. I really don't right. know. But I know that two men she was having
0: relationships with. When you um, say relationships with, you mean free love relationships. I
1: do mean free love relationships. Yeah, I just want
0: to make sure for the fruit and all of us that we're clear how babies are made
1: you know? (laughs) Right. So, uh, with that said, you know, uh, she thought one of the two was my father. I met that family. They were a part of my life for 25 years. My daughter was serving a mission during COVID and they couldn't proselytize. They were quarantined in their apartments. So she was doing family history. So my cousin and I decided let's do a DNA test. Let's see how far we can go back, help my daughter who was serving a mission. And, uh, DNA results came back, and there was absolutely no way that I was could have been this other man's. There was just no way. I okay, was so, so predominantly Spanish; it was crazy.
0: I want to go back for a minute because mm-hmm. it adds another layer. Was your mother religious at the time that she was participating in free love?
1: No. Okay. She's no. like, no,
0: because I'm like, no. Well, that's a whole <laughs> other layer. If you are religious. Because this particular religion you're talking about is the Church used Christ, latter Saints, who does yes. not believe in sex before marriage. Right, and so that puts that would be like, well, of course she's not going to tell you because she wouldn't want you to grow up with what would have then been a stigma. Right. Well, and which, you, know, you know, I do think it's good that we're encouraging people to make babies after they have a stable financial situation in which to do it in. You know, I do think that's good, but I've never been excited about shaming people for doing something that's very natural. Mm-hmm. you know, right. Right. You know, people be like, Oh my crap. They had sex. I'm like, Oh my crap. Animals do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then when I, you know, cause I grew up, um, choosing that faith. Um, and I had a choice in the way I was raised, but when people be like, well, how have you not had sex now? Technically I had, cause I was molested, but I don't count that. And I'd be like, well, it's not an accident. It's a very active decision to not, you know, mm-hmm. but they just be like, how is that even possible? And I'm like, cause I'm not a dog and heat, you know, <laughs> but at the same time, it's very normal to be interested in human connection. Right. So, um, anyway, I just had to make sure, cause that would be a whole other story. If mom was like, we have to hide this, I got to get married to somebody. But so she married yeah. him without trying to cover up a pregnancy. So he, knew no, him. she didn't marry
1: my, she didn't marry my father. No, no. I meant the, the dad who raised you. I didn't, I wasn't raised by anyone. I was raised oh. by, by, by anyone. I mean, my, oh, but oh, I so never had second, a father in my life. I never had a father in my life. Birth certificate. I no, I only okay. met him like less than a handful of times my entire life. Okay, so who was on your birth certificate as your dad? that's my brother's dad, but they divorced when my brother was born and my brother and I are 14 months apart. My brother was two months old. They divorced. And so I was raised by a single mom. My brother was blonde, very fair. I'm olive complected, very curly, wavy hair, green eyes, um, envying,
0: envying. Why can't I say that word right now? Um, And people are yelling at their thing as saying it correctly. Um, Your hair's awesome. I wish I had more curly hair. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was trying to say, but evidently (laughs) I can't even say the word that I'm jealous. I can't even even get that word out because I, I guess it's all good. I just felt different my whole life. And it wasn't like
1: there was this, I mean, I was, I'm from Cedar city, Utah, so there's not a lot of people of color there either. And I used to be really dark, especially as a kid, I ran around with no shoes on. Like a little kid, but I didn't ever associate myself with anything other than just my family. I mean, it, there was no color. It was just well, we were know, raised what it is.
0: Time, <laughs> we were raised in a time when um I have friends, even friends of color, who were like, Whoa, what's all this focus? Because we were raised where it didn't matter. It was just exactly. cool. you know, you put your arm next to people and be like, What? You know, I mean, we just we didn't you know, and maybe, you know, obviously I think the experience of Utah is going to be very different, but, you know, I grew up in truck stops too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so traveling the West. So I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe the childhood of Westerners is very different than a California or Southern or Northern,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: where, cause when I lived in the South, um, in the 19, late 1990s, um, color was very much an issue. But you know where I grew up in the west of truck stops. Nobody cared yeah. if that trucker was black or Hispanic or the only thing people ever seem to care about is they could talk English to you. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember my dad trying to speak Spanish, which is like the funniest thing in the world um, because he talks really, really slow. So when he's like, "Oh, blah," <laughs> you know, it's like. It would just be really funny because it almost seemed like he was mocking it. Mm -hmm. So people would, or they, I don't know if it was that, or they just kind of look at him like, are you seriously trying to speak my language? You know, Mm -hmm. but that's the only thing I ever remember about different cultures was people just want to make sure they communicate with you. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, in Cedar city, there's a reservation. So there was the Paiute tribe of, of Utah there. Yeah, and right. and
0: were the, um, was it, was it, um, was there racism between the two groups? Back
1: in, I mean, as a little girl, absolutely. When my uh-huh. grandfather would get mad at me, he'd say he was going to trade me for an Indian. And well, yeah, that was like, not, you know, so, so there was things of that that's nature, not nice but...
0: little Indian kids. No, Indian, no, American unfortunately, kids.
1: but I mean, my grandpa's yeah. passed and it's just different generations, but I, my mother raised me to follow the dictates of my conscience. She introduced me to all different kinds of religions, all different kinds of, uh, gender fluid people. Um, her best friends were lesbian. And it, so, so to me, I wasn't raised with, um, any Sounds stipulation like of, 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 yeah, you know, acceptable uh, of people, I guess you could say, I just wasn't raised that way. My mom is very, very open. And I went to West high school. I mean, we moved from Cedar city and West high school in the eighties very, very diverse, probably the most diverse high school in the state at that time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and, um, and, you know, in the, the rough part of Utah, which isn't very rough, but compared to Cedar city, I'm guessing oh, yeah. it's quite a shock. Cause Cedar oh, yeah. city still is just cute. Yeah. Little, yeah. For sure. I, re- I remember when
1: I, when I moved, um, well, especially cause my brother was so fair, you know, <laughs> he was blonde. Um, I would get asked all the time, what are you? I was asked all the time, what are you? And uh, it was just, I'm, I'm just kids. Jennifer. You know, I didn't, I would just say I'm Jennifer. I wouldn't be like, oh. I, I couldn't say I'm Greek,
0: Italian. I mean, I didn't know. So I would just say I'm Jennifer. Which is um, funny because my kids, I have three children. And the youngest looks like me. The other two take after my husband. And numerous times people have asked me if they were adopted. And um, because it's funny, there's one time this lady um, at we were at Costco and it was outside the DC metro area, which makes the stunt, the story funnier. And she said, oh, your children are cute. And I said, thank you. They're unique miracles. Cause I went through seven miscarriages to get my first two kids. And she goes, oh, it's so nice. You're able to adopt white babies. Oh, and wow. Said, yeah. <laughs> but it's a little awkward with my husband being black. You can only imagine what people think of me. <laughs> and I just gave her this like, hmm, look. And I zoned the part of me that was engaged to a black man. So I could do, I could like lie convincingly, Mm -hmm. but I felt like that was such a terrible thing for her to say that I wanted to make her feel awkward, you know, that like, I would care what color of skin my children were, you know, but, um, I just thought that was good to make her awkward, but people have asked, you know, my kids like, Oh, you're adopted. And that's like, when you see their father, like, really like (laughs) who cares? But you're That's just I I think
1: that's the bottom line is who cares? Really? Yeah. You know, we're all human and that's what matters. But as a kid,
0: you were like, What do you mean? Where am I from? I'm from Cedar City. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And who are you? You know, what are you? And I'm 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 Jennifer. I'm, you know, but what people would want to know is if I was Greek, if I was Italian, if I was Spanish. And honestly, I just didn't know. I just didn't know. So that was another one of the intrigues. And mom
0: never told you until you said you were 13.
1: Yeah, I was doing a journalism assignment in the eighth grade, and the assignment was to ask your parents about when they met, when they got married, when they got divorced, if that was the case. So I'm asking my mother all these questions, and the dates she was rattling off did not match. And I was really confused because I thought, well, if you got married in March and I was born in June, then I was really premature because I, I didn't put things, I didn't know about Interesting right, and sex and all that. So I didn't put it together. And so I innocently said, was I five months premature?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: she laughed and then said, haven't you figured it out yet? And I was like dumbfounded. No, of course I, what was there to figure out? And she said, well, Gary is not your father. That's your brother's dad. And this other man, um, James Christian Jensen is your father. And she talked about how they met in college at the deer hunters ball and had had a class together and, uh, had a little fling. He went off to the war. She didn't know if he was alive or not. And she didn't even tell her own parents. She didn't tell her parents who my father was either. Um. So, so needless to say, when she asked me not to talk about it again, and in respect for my mother, I didn't until I was in my twenties. And then she asked me when. I was gonna turn 24. And she said, what do you want for your birthday? And I said, I want my dad. And so she went back to Southern Utah University. It was, I think when she went there it was called Southern Utah State College. And she went to the Alumni Association and they pulled records and called the number on there of his family and his father answered. And that's when my mom found out that he had been killed in Vietnam. Um, So she came back and told me, we wrote a letter to the family sent pictures of me and we ended up meeting and they accepted me. they the Jensen's. I love them. They, li- and they're in Richfield and Monroe kind of um, Elsinore, Southeastern Utah area, the best family Probably
0: excited to have a piece of their son. It was know?
1: shock. I think it was a lot of shock right at first, but eventually I would say that, yes, they felt like I brought Jimmy back a little piece of Jimmy and miraculously through Through the years, I met a man who fought in Vietnam with him.
0: And when we met,
1: yeah, when we met, he said, you didn't have a father. I'm going to be your father. And he's half Japanese, half Chinese. And I love being with him and introducing him. This is my dad. And so he has been my dad. His name is David O. Chung. And that's just making
0: people spin on how to I know.
1: (laughs) Right. So David O. Chung has been the father I never had in, in that vein. Um, and what and, age did he come into your life? Oh, so- let's see. Oh, let's I was 39, so yeah, 2009. Yeah. I was 39. I had my three kids. I'd been divorced for a couple of years and, and um, the way we met was kind of miraculous too. It's just sometimes things that just fit. And because I had all these experiences, I'm like, "Yep, James, I never questioned James Christian Jensen is my father. Um, so when we did the DNA and it didn't turn out that there was, I mean, his whole side of the family is Danish. They're, they're from Denmark. They named Elsinore when they settled there after the castle. Um, and, and so heavily, I don't have any Danish in me at all.
0: Yeah, Yeah.
1: Majority is, is Spanish. And then on my mom's side, Scottish, I'm Spanish and Scottish. So, um, so I had to go back to my mom and, and say, do you have something to tell me? And she she was in shock and her first response was no 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 um because i think she realized the weight of that impact wasn't just me it was an entire jensen family you know and when i say family we're talking you know grandfather grandmother his right. brothers he had four brothers a sister all of my cousins and I still call them family. I still call them my cousins, my aunts and uncles. Yeah, it well, was, you were raised with them. So yeah. for 25 families. years, I met him when I was 24. So for 25 well, years,
0: it was right before I turned genetics. 50. Yeah, so this re- revelation was right before I turned 50. Yeah. Wow. So you were told you had one guy who was your dad, ends up being a completely different guy. And then you take genetic tests and it reveals this whole other family that you need to be connected to. Yes. Yeah you want to be connected to.
1: Yeah. I don't know how I'm, I I don't know if he's alive. I know that um, my mom said his name was Jose Luis de Dios. We found an immigration record where the second name is Rodriguez, but it's crossed out. And I don't know if that was something he chose to do when he um, immigrated to the United States and got his citizenship. Uh, So I don't know if that's really who he is. I, I just don't know but now I really want to go to Madrid. I, you know, I, I really want to go to Spain and uh, just feel connected. I don't, you know, I, I, the whole thing, to be honest, because I am very spiritual, I always wanted a dad. And through all of this life's journey, I realized I always had one. And Mm -hmm. for me, that was my spiritual, my spiritual connection to my higher power, my heavenly father, everybody Mm -hmm. has theirs. For me, I always had my heavenly father. And that became more prominent with my belief than ever after the DNA that I've never been lacking a patriarch. Really I profound
0: because they say a lot of times, you know, if you don't have a dad, mm-hmm. how that impacts, especially girls, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, to not have that, that strong male in their life and it doesn't have to be the dad, but you know, an uncle, a grandpa, somebody. Right. That show them and how. I did. You know, I did. Yeah, I had yeah. the best uncles,
1: my grandpa. I, I love both my grandpas. Um, you know, I I've been really lucky, but because I was so, so stuck in feeling alone, I kind of grew up feeling alone a lot. Um, I just had that longing and it kind of overpowered any sensibility that I had. Uh-huh. So it, it it took kind of a shock of some DNA results to
0: to make me realize I've never lacked anything that's really cool. That's really cool It's interesting how they you know you you wonder you know because you can only ask your mom so many questions but you know when she made that decision to not tell you who your genetic dad was mm-hmm. you could see it making perfect sense in that time frame if there was another man who was raising you that you didn't want him to feel you know you to feel like he didn't love you just as much right but that she just never cleared that up. It's a very interesting question. You'd want to ask her. She really doesn't like to talk
1: about it. I think, well, she said that
0: don't talk about it. So that, that does signify she doesn't want to talk
1: about it. I think a lot of it is because she just doesn't remember. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's an, I think there's a little bit of, of shame and guilt. Um, she's asked me to forgive her. And of course I forgive my mother. You know, of course yeah. I do. She did the best she could with what she knew back then. She was only 20 years old. I mean, yeah. she turned 21 a couple of months after I was born. So, I mean, ultimately, you know, I look back to when I was that age, she was probably terrified. She was probably absolutely terrified. So I, I, I've had the ups and downs of emotions, but ultimately, of course I forgive my mother. And, yeah, and honestly, I told her there's nothing to forgive it was your life. You did the best with what you could.
0: That's right. okay. And in the time she did it too, I mean, they, they, it's not like they knew genetic testing was going to come out. She probably thought it was just right. You know, her and her brother will have this in common. And of course, when she got married to him, she thought the marriage would last. I don't think people get married thinking it will end, you know, and just it never was convenient to clear it up.
1: Yeah. Well, she, yeah. Uh, and And it's okay. I'll never really know. And the fact of the matter is I don't need to know, you know, I'm so much a part of just living in the now and looking forward to the future with optimism that the past is the past. You really can't do anything about it. But um, when my mom said that she was dating Jose, he did ask permission from my grandfather to take my mom to Lake Tahoe with some friends. And my grandfather, from what my mother told me, came unglued and was really upset And, um, my grandfather was pretty racist and Ah. called him lots of names and basically forbid my mom to date him any further. Hmm. So, you know, then she has a fling with James Christian Jensen. So there's two guys and she chose, she chose one of them.
0: (laughs) She chose one of them. And maybe the one who had accepted
1: more likely. Yeah. Likely.
0: Interesting. But
1: it didn't last. No, they were flings. Both of, both of them were flings. Even, I mean, she was pregnant with me when she married um, Gary Potter was his name. So my maiden name was Potter. I don't look like Potter at all. Um, (laughs) Which sounds, which sounds very British. Yeah. (laughs) you know. So she was pregnant with me when she married him. Um, They married in March of 1970. I was born June of 1970. So her relationships were just short and quick, just short and quick. I mean, she married, Gary after knowing him for a couple months. And unfortunately, (laughs) well, unfortunately, I did the same thing. I married my husband.
0: (laughs) I was 20 days from meeting, I was engaged. Yeah, see, same with me, but I'm divorced. At least you're still married. I'm divorced now. I am I am still married and will always be. In fact, we were we were discussing the last night about um uh without giving away the situation, but somebody who's leaning on us for support, my husband's like, Well, if I die, you should marry him. And I was like, no, no, you're my only one. Sorry. You know, plus he's the one with the the heart problem. So, and my, my, the joke in my family line is the women live so long. Everybody wishes they were dead because on my mom's side, there's a long line of ornery women. (laughs) So I joke that I am doing a grand experiment that if being pleasant helps you live longer or not. So if I pass 97 about lived my uh, by, if I get to 97, I've outlived my grandmother died at 96. My great grandmother was very ornery. She lived to hundred. So if I don't make it at least then, you know, that being ornery is probably good for you. So <laughs> I feel like for mankind, you know, I've got a hit for like 105. Oh, right on <laughs> just, just, you know, to help the general you know, happiness of the world, you know, maybe people think being honorary helps them live longer. So that's why everyone's so Andre and fighting. We just, we'll just know now that everybody wants the longevity <laughs> another 60 years. We'll, we'll have this salt
1: <laughs> for sure.
0: For sure. So, so
1: yeah. yeah, it's been, it's been quite a, quite a wild ride. The last couple of years, I completely changed my life. Um, I look at race completely differently just because of that. And now on forums, when it it asks for your race, you know, I used to put white, I don't anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm really embracing um, being Spanish. And uh, I can't wait to learn more. But with that, I also pay respect to my mother's side of the family. They were, you know, founders of Southern Utah, that Southern Utah University, they were actually one of the founders, my family line. And so I have, a, I have a lot of respect uh, for that line of my family, too. They were they were hardworking, they still are hardworking people on my mom's end. And I, um, I just have different perspectives now of, you know, who, who I am, basically, Mm -hmm. right, it changed, it it kind of changed the perspective that when people were asking me who, you know, what are you? Who are you? Jennifer is it? I don't need to explain anything. I don't have to have any qualifiers for it. You know, just Jennifer is enough. And so it's really nice to be able to say that I am more than enough instead of well, you know, even a few years ago, I would struggle to find the words to say who is Jennifer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. now it's it's very easy for me to say that I'm a happy, optimistic, you know, person of faith. And I I'm strong and I'm forgiving and I'm a good person. And yeah. I just I love being at a place that I can say that because I really hope that it helps somebody else who may have been struggling. Like I did a right. feeling lacking and feeling not enough that they are more than enough just for being who they are, yeah. just being alive, being a human.
0: So the first time I really encountered racism, cause where I grew up being of color actually kind of made you cooler, you know, it mm-hmm. was like, man, that's so cool. And they were, you know, exotically beautiful. And that wasn't an insult to say someone was exotic because there's like, see a little white kids, you know? And I was, you know, on the, the, the more, I'm just like you. Um, I tan really well Mm -hmm. where when I was in Mexico at 13, um, I, I had made the comment to my mom that we were poor and she had friends. that had family in Mexico. So she sent me to go work there for the summer. And I got paid Mexican wages and they took me to the poor areas. Mm-hmm. And, um, when th- my mother sent me with no ID or passport, oh my, this is a different time. Yeah. And the family, when they, then the summer, you know, a plane ticket, I bought a plane ticket with my wages and that was pretty much it, um, you know, and, um, you know, I got was dropped the first time I ever flew because I drove down with the relations that left me with their other family, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I had to figure out how to fly for the first time by myself at 13 in a foreign language airport. And even though I'd picked up a lot of Spanish, there had been no practicing of the reading of the Spanish. Oh my. So anyway, um, I was pretty emotionally distraught by the time I finally found my plight and got in and had never flown before, so I was super nervous. And then we're going through what I now know to be customs and they're like ID. And I was replying in Spanish and I had none. Anyway, when I went hysterical in English, that's when they decide I actually was American. Wow. So if it had been a different time, I would be living in Mexico. Yeah, for sure. But paperwork is just kind of beyond my family culture. So. know, thus the not paying of the taxes, Yet. you know, and so getting, getting IDs, just, you know, it's just paperwork, you know, why do it? But <laughs> anyway, um, so, but you know, that experience, I saw it as a location difference, not a race difference. Yeah. You know, I was like, wow, had I not been born in America, I wouldn't have the same thing. But I dated a guy who was um, Ivy league educated trust fund happened to be black. So when I was telling my mother about him, I failed to mention that detail, you know? And so, um, it was kind of like, look, who's coming to dinner. She was very impressed until she found out that out. And she's like, people are going to be against you. And I was like, mom, the world's changed. Like I grew up in a different place, you know, different time. Yeah. If we moved to Georgia, it might be a problem. We moved to New Hampshire. It would be a problem, you know, Mm
1: -hmm. different
0: Cause I've lived in both of those places and I saw racism in both of them, which was funny because the Northerners kind of pride themselves on not being that they fought the civil war. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. you kind of force people live in a certain area. So yeah. not yeah. so, not so good on that. But anyway, he said to me, this guy that I was dating, um, quite seriously for a couple of years, there was a ring, you know, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Um, he said, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I don't see a black man. I see Brian. And so that, you know, really filtered how I started feeling about some of these things that we define ourselves by. And you're kind of been, you know, when we look in the mirror, what we are, you know, what genetics went into making us is not nearly as important as who we are. Right. And right. as long as we're defining ourselves, of course, it's upsetting to find out this whole family you know, they all have to kind of grapple with that. Right. You know, it's mm-hmm. definitely a big thing, but it didn't at the end of the day, change who Jennifer was. Exactly. You DNA know? did not define me. Right. Mm-hmm. And as long as we allow something that people can see, like, I don't even look in the mirror and think of myself and be like, I am a woman that's 49. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, I do sometimes kind of wonder where 49 happened. You know, when did that happen? You know, (laughs) I can relate to that big time. Yeah. You know, but I I don't think of myself as anything other than what we are. And I love how you said that because I was like, I'm Jennifer Mm -hmm. and it echoed what he said to me. And so, well, I'm kind of seeing some racism for the first time. My grandmother was racist. I mean, she said he wasn't as, um, Good as us, and when I said, "Wait, I'm a trucker's kid with broken down cars in the front yard, and he's Ivy League educated with a trust fund. If anyone's better, it's him, And my grandmother slapped me. And she wow. said the only time my grandmother's ever resorted to violence, and I'm very proud of that that I brought that out in her <laughs> and why I brought it out in her. But you know, it, I had never really considered, I think I had considered what the town I was in and how my school approached racism. And I'd never really thought to think how my family had racism, you know, because I picked up the attitude of my neighborhood more than the attitude of my family. And my mother did do a good job at trying to teach me, you know, that that all people are of value. And she's mm-hmm. done some Martin Luther King walks. And, you know, so it's like our ideals matched up with our ideal, mm-hmm. you know sounds like you kind of had to confront some of those too.
1: Yeah, uh, a little bit. I mean, there were things that happened that I didn't realize I was, um, being judged based on my looks or being raised by a single mom, that kind, that stuff actually came out in high school and college. I actually wanted to be a broadcast journalist. I wanted to be a broadcast journalist for years. And it was my sophomore year in college. I was just finishing up. I got an A in my TV production class and The dean pulled me in his office and said, I got to be straight up with you. You're too ethnic looking. You're never going to make it as a TV anchor.
0: Well, now, now it'd be totally different. It would be completely different. But this was 1989. Right. Well, my son's gone into modeling and they told him he's too white.
1: Wow. It's, so it it's just really it's
0: too masculine.
1: It's really interesting. The sad thing is, is that I believed, I believed the Dean yeah. and I dropped out of college for a year. And I actually do yeah. think there are more people like me who, when they're told something negative, whether that be about their appearance or their background, they believe it. Right. And you know, I, unfortunately That's why we love
0: Oprah, you know, exactly everything she says, but she was overweight black woman in a time that you couldn't. And she has become one of the most wealthy people on um, I mean, she didn't let anything stop her. And that's super, I'm glad that she had whatever
1: self-respect and self-worth and, and her own value that she didn't take any of the negativity and she persevered. I dropped out of school. Yeah, I took a year off to figure out now, what do I want to do? That's all I ever wanted to do. Now I got to figure something else out. And interestingly enough, my career took me into TV news mm-hmm. and that's what I did for two different stations here in Utah. So, uh, I think when you're meant to do something, it comes in your life. Yeah. There's just timing. And I've realized now that the timing is not always going to be the way I want, but it, it's comes around and it's perfect. You know, it comes yeah. around when it's supposed to come around. Things are meant to be when
0: they're meant to be, you know, and so and we're, meant to have, more... we're meant to have some opposition in life. And yes. Yeah. And, um, My, my last guest, we were actually talking about suicide and she had this beautiful perspective that if you haven't listened to that, people go back and listen to that too, about how it is, what is, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what you're saying too, on a completely different topic. You know, we were like lying in that one, you know, but, um, that it, you know, we all have hard things that we have to overcome and that's the gift is getting to overcome them. And if it's something that people can see about you, well, poopy on them you know, for being fattest or racist or sexist or whatever, you know, um, poopy on them, but it doesn't have to mean poopy on you keep going.
1: Yeah. Well, it took me, you know, obviously till I turned 50 to kind of figure things out. Unfortunately, I was the one who believed all the negative stuff, you know, in the movie, pretty woman. And Mm -hmm. she, she actually says to the Richard Gere character that it's easier to believe the bad stuff. And right. you know, and for me, it was. and well, unfortunately, it is
0: our brains are naturally negative, 83% negative. Mm. And um, I believe that when the Bible talks about overcoming the natural man, that it's talking about literally staying in what is genetically what it means to be human, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, you know, they say that we carry with us, you know, the the biome of our ancestors you know, so I joke, that's why I had colon issues is I had to get rid of all of that poopiness. You know what? I'm with you. I felt and the I same some way. I have ancestors, so I got to give them love, but there, there's some that I could name that I'm like, boy, <laughs> you got, you gave me a lot of poop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had to, whew, you know, you know it's interesting just-
1: you bring that up because I had a lot of colon issues too. I had a put of my colon removed. My, I don't have a sigmoid, and I think a lot of that comes from stuffing down the emotions, that, you know? The
0: sigmoid, the thing that scrunches your intestine, like makes it, you gotta you gotta squeeze, is that what that one does? I don't know. Okay. All I know is mine
1: wasn't working anymore. and needed to come out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally yeah, well, fine now, but you know, I think a lot of that, the way you see the world, the way you interpret who you are really impacts your body and the way that your organs function.
0: Absolutely. But, you know, because we're also always renewing, I think it gives us the opportunity because our cells are turning over, right?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So our skin cells, you know, skin that I have now never experienced the trauma of my childhood. Mm -hmm. It's, it's 30 years, 35 years removed from any trauma like that. Right. Um, you know, my skin cells, I'm going to have two months from now did not experience the foot surgery I just had and every cell in our body is renewing. And so There's this beautiful link to the past, but it's what we choose to keep and repeat that becomes what we are today. Right. And I
1: think the key word in that, that you used is choose. I didn't think I had a choice. I felt like I was pretty trapped. And the fact of the matter is I wasn't what entrapped me was my, my self-talk and my thinking. And like just your sales that you were talking about, renewal, you can do that with your disposition. You can do it with mm-hmm. your attitude. You can do that with how you think, your mindset. And that's what I learned through the whole process. So when you talked about, we talked about hotness, like what, what did I choose? Uh huh. I, I would just have to say, that's what I choose
0: choice. Yeah.
1: Now I know it. Now I, I've exercised it.
0: Right And that's it's a good thing that all this kind of stuff made you question where you came from because it made you question and rock your world to a point that made you come into yourself. Yes that, that really ended up sounding like being such a gift because it it made you question all the assumptions.
1: Yes, absolutely. It was a, a beautiful gift. It didn't feel yeah. like it at the time, and I you know, I was pretty upset. Um, but now I can look I, I can see why things happened the way that they did and mm-hmm. the way that they needed to, to be honest, for me to be who I am today. Yeah. And I, you know, there's a part of me that I'm like, why couldn't I have got this, you know, and understood this when I was 12, 13? That <laughs> that pivotal moment when i I'm know asking,
0: everything now. Yeah, you know, yeah.
1: that pivotal moment of an opportunity, it was a a, a lesson that I could have been taught that I just didn't when I started asking those questions at 13 for that journalism assignment, you know, uh, but that's okay. I'm, I'm all right with it. I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at now and I'm happy with who I am now.
0: Yeah. Which is the, the greatest gift we can give the world
1: is mm-hmm. to respect who we are. Exactly. Right? And, and not like we demanding about, that
0: from other people, right. But we, we actually have people, that for ourselves because I say in my first book, you know, you can only give what you possess. That is true. And I the fact am. of the matter is if you don't possess it, just respect. I just think
1: everybody deserves respect. Mm-hmm. You know, if, 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 if you, you don't, don't understand their choices, yourself, and,
0: if you yeah. don't love yourself and respect others. So true. That, you can't, you can't give that to other people. Exactly. I agree. You, you know, I agree. And so, you know, when, you know, the, the, the childhood bully, the racist, you know, the, the whatever, you know, ist is yeah. somebody <laughs> that can't, you know, as I call it, othering, you know, when you're othering someone, mm-hmm. you're not creating equality with realizing that they have the equal right to happiness and joy that you have. And we're getting so far into all of this, that it's important to recognize that we're all of value. A hundred percent, you know, and right. what we don't all have to like the same color. You know, my favorite color is green. Cause I married Mr. Green. I'm just teasing. It's gardening, right? <laughs> Uh, you know, but not everybody has to like things exactly how I do, but we do need to respect each other's space to do that. And that's why I always say that I will advocate for someone to do something, even that I don't agree with, because in this country, that same right that lets them live a different lifestyle. If I agree or don't agree, isn't the point it's that they may not agree or agree with what lifestyle I want to live. And so I'm going to defend their right to live their life because I hope that they would defend my right to live my life, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you. One hundred percent. you know, they, you know, you look at a lot of, uh, you know, um, you know, Eastern Middle Eastern countries, they kill people for being a Christian or being gay. Mm-hmm. and you mean, And then here in this country, those two parties are looked at as different but I bet you in middle Eastern countries, at least I like to think this, I don't know. It seems like they'd kind of band together to help each other in the, in the dystopian novel that I will write. That's what will happen. Oh, right on. <laughs> yeah. I'll <laughs> we'll Definitely write a book because that was
1: very healing for me. Oh, I've written I,
0: too, but I, um, I haven't, Oh, I didn't I, realize I, that I need to get your books. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, love me. Um, how to embrace Your hotness, a book on confidence a love me Too": a book on overcoming sexual abuse, living a fulfilling life. But, um, I encourage authors and I encourage this because you're telling your healing story. You're telling this story might help somebody else whose circumstances are very different and they're coming awareness of their value. The story that rocks that there'll be parallels that will help them to find the value of them and the significance that We, you know, if we're looking for a significance outside of ourselves versus inside of ourselves. So, you know, that's, that's a, that's a journey everybody has to go on.
1: I agree. I mean, I really wrote my story for my kids. That's, that's the reason why I did it. I didn't do it for any other reason. And, you know, the benefit of that is that it was healing for me. Yeah. You know, I didn't think of it that way. It wasn't my, my purpose. I just wanted my kids to know. I wanted right. them to know kind of my background and, uh, and then
0: all these other blessings came because of it. <laughs> yeah. See, it's funny how I just did it. Cause God tells me to like, I'm just like, ah, oh, let me rest. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, um, your book just came out when July 20th. Yeah. So July 20th on the Amazon, first time you get a message from somebody saying how your book changed their life that is worth any agony you go through to put it out there. Any, uh, anybody who didn't like what you wrote or whatever, I'm like, most of my family doesn't like what, you know, right. <laughs> but it's worth any poop you have to shovel through to be able to impact a stranger. hmm Somebody yeah. you might not have never had the gift of sitting down and doing a, you know, a recorded conversation with, like we have the joy of doing, right. Yes. <laughs> um, but you know, how important it is that we are connecting with people because um, we, we were just talking about this in another podcast, how we're so connected, but not connecting. Yeah. And that's the yeah. challenge of this podcast that I'm putting out there to people is I love people. I just think people are fascinating. You know, and I think I'm fascinating and I think everybody's fascinating. And I just think we should just talk more and we can learn. And, you know, the, the energy people say it raises your vibration, the spiritual people, it's like, Hey, I'm meeting a brother. I'm meeting a sister, right? Whatever modality you believe to, you know, adhere to it is, there's value in learning each other's stories because it helps us in our own stories. So Um, oh my heavens. We, any last thoughts you want to share, um, with the listeners? Well, I would just say if
1: if you are hearing negative voices, just here's two words that you need to say in your mind, cancel that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, just cancel that. And I actually have to give credit to Judy Gway. She taught me that through the women of worth Utah program. Um, and I wish I would have known that, but I just think if you have a vision of what you want to do in your life. If you have a vision of who you are, despite what anybody else says, go for it, give it your all, give it your all. Because even if you miss the mark, it's the journey that counts. It's the journey, you know, it's, it's all those experiences.
0: And and so I mark that you thought you needed to hit is mm -hmm. not the Mark. You were meant to hit and that's okay. That is okay. okay. And that's why the journey is
1: the most important part. Right. That's the most important part. So I would just part with telling people that you're every single person has purpose and Mm -hmm. every single person person on this earth has worth. And Mm -hmm. what any bullying or anything, just cancel that. Yeah, totally. Well,
0: I I just call it poopy. Yeah. (laughs) And everybody has poop. But where you put it is the what's important, you know? (laughs) So thank you so much, Jennifer, for being on this episode of share your hotness. Well, thank
1: you. And if anybody wants to go find that book, women who dream, please go to Amazon, put women who dream in my name, Jennifer Weaver. You can and go we'll to my website, it. girlcodeandcontent.com as well.
0: Perfect. Perfect. And we'll make sure. Cause I, if they're like me, I need to have it written in front of me. So please check the show notes for this so that you can just click and buy. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you.
1: The Share Your Hotness podcast is produced by Van Garrett Media. Lita Green is the host and creator of the podcast. Chris Van Garrett is the editor, producer, and music director. Shayla Dawn is our research coordinator. Join us next week for another episode of the Share Your Hotness podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.